everybody for the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, I sound like shit. <laughs> yeah, so, so what we're going to do in today's show is you're going to be like LeBron in the first half of last night's game. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of chill. Pass me the rock a bit. I'll be AD in the yeah. first half. I'll, I'll <laughs> carry the way when you decide to turn it on. You know, we'll get the W. I think so. The show before this weekend, you and I talked about LeBron being, you know, kind of force of nature, like how he would disperse his energy or whatever. And I don't know if I have ever been proven immediately right the way that I was this weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, he absolutely is. He, he needs he just, you know, force of nature. LeBron It's just it's one. It's what the Lakers need Two, it's so much fun to watch. It is yeah, like, I don't, I don't want him doing that for 82, No, but like when he decided that game to me came across as they wanted to win that game while expending as little effort as humanly possible. <laughs> and that's why guys like Dwight and Caruso are yeah. valuable. And how about Dwight? Like yeah. when, when do we start eating that delicious, delicious crow, crow. about that signing, man? <laughs> Holy crap, he's been great. So he, right now, I literally just wrote this article for Silver Screen and Roll. I just looked up these numbers. He has a plus 27.9 rating. Net rating? Yeah. yeah. 27.9. Which means the Lakers are almost 28 points per 100 possessions, which is about how long a game is when he's on the court yeah. as opposed to being off of it. It's unbelievable. He's been, he's been, you know what, I, so... I love Eric Pincus. He's like, honestly, legitimately, like one of the more important people in this industry for, for our growth and in mm-hmm. and, and uh, in terms of just information and stuff like that. But he asked a question the other day: Why is it that Laker fans are so high on Dwight and low on KCP? And I think what it really comes down to is like Dwight looks like he wants to be out there. Yes, like and. Well, he's exactly. he's also legitimately impacting more plays than KCP is. Yeah, like it was good to see KCP's jumper fall. Like KCP was fine last night; he mm-hmm. was he was good. But Dwight is getting us so much ex, extra possessions, and that's kind of a manifestation of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's taking like the joy. crowd into it. You know, he's like he's like he's he's waving the crowd on. He's he's. I think so. When everybody listening to this, if you have ever pissed off your significant other, you've been there. And it takes you, like, kind of going overboard for a solid, like, month or so. Just, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I can get the door for you, sure, no problem. I can make dinner tonight, yeah, just, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm all there for it. And, and I feel like that's Ben Dwight. It's like he has recognized this is how things went the first time around, and here I am right now working my ass off to get in your guys' good graces. And it's been so much fun to watch. It, it is. I mean, look, man, we don't need much like play hard, do your job. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you want to give us a little bit of attention as you're doing that and hyping up the crowd, all the better. Yeah. But aside from even the crowd stuff, which I'm totally with you, I love that. I've noticed all these points on tape where he'll like set a good screen and someone else will hit a three as a result of the good off ball screen that he mm-hmm. set or something like that. And he'll do like a little fist pump, right? He's not getting right. any box score love. Very few people are even going to notice that on, on first watch, especially, uh, but he is internalized that like I am enjoying being a contributor in these ways that maybe nobody else notices, but I notice it and my teammates notice it and my coaches notice it. And that right there, this is like, 
I, I was hoping for best case scenario Dwight, and we've talked about how like the Lakers need a few best case scenarios to happen in order for them to mm-hmm. get to the mountaintop this season. This is probably a little bit better than what I thought the best case scenario with him would be. He he's still got so many of the attributes that made him the defensive player of the year. What three times. Yeah. And it's not his athleticism, but he's still strong as hell. He knows exactly where to be. He's has this understanding of how to defend that goes beyond just his old days of being able to jump out of the gym. Right. And he's carrying that forward in a way and he's doing it every possession. He's out there. It's just great to watch. Yeah. I, I said that on, it was funny. I mean, I was sick yesterday, so I wasn't able to record the show, but I recorded this morning, and um, one of the things, it was kind of weird to say it in the moment, because you don't think of Dwight as cerebral, but he is legitimately, like, in the right spot. He understands where he has to be. You think of him as, like, an athlete, Superman, goofball, the guy who, like, farts in the locker room, stuff like that, but, like, he has been legitimately, like, really smart in in his approach Mm -hmm. to the game. And, you know, I so uh, one of my theories on why Davis and JaVale hasn't really worked thus far uh, has to do with their spacing on defense even. That, like, they're just kind of, like, bumping into each other. Think mm, of, that's a good observation, yeah. And, and Dwight, though, I think understands the spacing on defense. Dwight has basically—so the analogy I used in, in yesterday's show was basically if you and I were to walk into a restaurant— We'd, like, bump into each other. Oh, you get the door, I get the door, whatever. It's kind of awkward, right? And I feel like that's how Davis and JaVale have been playing defense. They're like, oh, do I contest? Do you contest? Do I go get that rebound? Do you go get the rebound? Whatever. And Dwight's just like, no, man, I'm going to go contest the shot. I'm going to go get this rebound. And I think there's legitimate value in that. And I think that's why Dwight has been a more valuable player to this point. You remember when we first started recording together, like on a regular basis, not with me as a as a guest and whatnot. Yeah, there were a lot of those like, oh no, no, you, <laughs> right. no, yeah. you go ahead, yeah, no, no, no you. <laughs> that is Javale and AD right now. Yeah, you know, and and hopefully, as it has with this show, that sort of dynamic will figure itself out over time. I've actually been fairly unhappy with Javale's effort level, yes. and like he's said. able to cover more distance than Dwight is, and he's not like just go for it, just go for it the same way that Dwight is and things will work themselves out. Yeah. You remember when Zubat started playing really well last year and JaVale just kind of like started loafing or whatever. I don't think JaVale responds well to competition. I don't think he thought like going into this year, I don't think he thought that he would have to compete with Dwight for minutes. And now he is. And now Dwight is outshining him. And I don't think JaVale has reacted to it very well. I mean, the way to fix that is not to loaf, right? Because yeah. it's take more and more of JaVale's minutes. Or you can even loaf. Both, or you, <laughs> you can, can loaf, loaf and make it real easy. The bench, right. <laughs> yeah. Like even Vogel um, mentioned, I think in, in the press conference last night after the game that like, you know, Dwight's making a case. He absolutely could start at some point, right? Yeah. This is not, JaVale doesn't have that on lock and he's just going to have to play significantly better. But I, for, for now I'm delighting in Dwight. Um, I think that in the whole idea that there's 82 games to get through and you can't have your foot on the gas pedal pressed all the way down the whole 82, those energy guys are super important. So him, Caruso, like those guys who really bring energy and make plays with their energy, surround them with the incredible talent of LeBron and AD who just have too much of a burden to, you know, push down that gas pedal 
all the time. Right. That's your formula to get these cheap wins over the course of 82. That's the difference between, you know, 52 wins and 46 wins, something yep. like that. So I hope Vogel's catches on to that because those are the guys to surround them with. I want to talk about that here in a second. I want I want your thoughts on whether there's value in starting them, you know, starting Caruso, starting Dwight, or allowing them to just be energy guys off the bench. I want to know what you think about that. So let's take a second. We'll come back to that. So on its face, right, this feels like a pretty easy solution here to fixing the first half issues and, you know, some of the energy issues at the beginning of games. Just play Caruso. Just play Dwight. Just just start those guys. But do you think do you think there's value in having them be energy off the bench? Even like I think right now we're the we're at the extreme example of it. Where they aren't like Caruso isn't being used until the second half. That has to change. But do you think there's value in starting them and seeing if they up the energy in that starting unit or allowing them to be, you know, shots in the arm off of the bench? I would be more inclined to start Dwight than I would be Caruso. And I'm actually fine with keeping this starting lineup together for a bit and having them try to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I've been happy with what Bradley's brought to the table. I think guys like Caruso and Dwight have a lot of value next to either LeBron or AD those lineups that that honestly that's most of the game right is you got one of those dudes on the bench mm-hmm. and the others being asked to kind of be the hub of what the Lakers are doing on the offensive end the combination of Caruso and Dwight with AD I really like that because defensively you've got this like bonkers you know and we saw that at the end of the third quarter against Charlotte and the beginning of the fourth these lineups that are just like really and and I actually think AD went out at the end of the third but they started to get separation at the end of that third quarter where you've got these guys flying all over the place and I love that combo now I, I do think they fit next to both of them as well but if you wanted to do that just alongside the either LeBron or AD lineups. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to use them. Just give them minutes though, man. Like the whole Caruso not playing until the second half. Like my fear, bro, is we don't even have Rondo back yet. You know, like yeah. that's another person that's almost certainly ahead of Caruso in the rotation, at least how it was conceived at the beginning. And even with Rondo out, Caruso's had to come in and be these like, oh, this game's kind of gunked up. Like, let's put Caruso in and see what happens. And magically, it's better, right? Weird. So I I don't know, man. Like, I just want them to get minutes. I'm not too particular on the lineups. But if I had to choose, it'd be those lineups that have either AD or LeBron rather than both. My thing with Caruso is... This isn't something – so heading into this year, you and I were pretty clearly on the same page as far as, like, the value that Caruso brings to the table, right? Like, in theory, at least, he is a big point guard who can kind of space the floor, uh, plays solid defense. He plays really good defense. Like, I would argue, like, he's playing He's playing great defense. Yeah. He's one of the better defensive, backup defensive guards in the league right now. Anyway, I'm, continue. I'm saying, like, heading into the year, that's how we felt, right? Sure. Like, sure. he is better than that right now. It, so, like, a lot of the things that, like, in theory we hoped for from Caruso, he is doing. And it is manufacturing 
serious momentum for the for the Lakers. Like the, the Lakers have been significantly better with him on the court than without. So we talked about Dwight's um, on-off rating, right? Caruso is right behind Dwight. Well, not right behind, but like he is second on the team in terms of players who have pay, played actual minutes. Costas and Antetokounmpo uh, is like he is like a thirty net rating, but he's only played two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Caruso is sitting there with a plus eighteen. So the Lakers are like you said, eighteen points better with him on the court than they are without him. Bro, it's not just some like hipster podcaster, no. you know, neck beard he's living in mama's basement good. thing. Like, watch the friggin' games. Right. They are better when he's on the court. It's not a coincidence. He doesn't have to put up numbers. It's they are better. If you are watching the games, there is not an argument with that. It's just two games, but he's doing the same damn things that he was doing last year. Why do you think that is? Like not I want I want to explain because on Twitter, when I when I tweet out stuff like Alex Caruso is the best Lakers point guard or swap out Bradley for Kuzma and you have a lineup of Caruso, Green, Kuzma, LeBron and AD or whatever and that's their that's going to be the Lakers best lineup. I want to explain like why exactly that is because it there's value in in explaining something that we kind of sort of new heading into the year but now we have had that confirmed. So so what is it that Caruso does that makes the Lakers better while he's out there? There are a couple of things. We talked about the defensive end, and he actually makes plays on defense. He gets deflections. He jumped that one passing lane and finally got a dunk, right? Finally did something <laughs> yeah. above the rim. Yeah. He needed he needed to have nobody in front of him whatsoever. He's had a which lot was, of grit so far. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, last, you know, hopefully he gets back to last year of that ability to do some of that stuff in traffic, too, instead of on a one-on-o fast break. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's getting deflections. He's making the proper rotations. He's really good on the ball that has nothing to do with steals or deflections and things like that. He's getting Uh, Rihanna's attention. He's getting Rihanna's. I mean, come on, you know, of course he got Rihanna's attention. Um, (laughs) Not mine. So that's right. Yeah. So obviously (laughs) Um, Lakers are last in the league in pace right now Uh and they're the slowest team in the league. And that's okay. uh, Especially with the composition of the roster, but it's nice to have that in your back pocket because they're really good when they do run Mm -hmm. and they run a little bit more with Caruso. That was one thing when I was watching the tape of the Utah game that was interesting to me was the big run they went on in that second half when Caruso came in. They didn't run a lot of set plays. It was a lot of in the open court. Now, part of that's because you get stops. You're usually not going to run a set play right after you get a defensive stop. Mm -hmm. You want to attack them early. Even if it's not a fast break, you have these early offense principles that help you really take advantage of that transition. And so that was most of how they attack having at least that in their back pocket you can always run something for lebron or ad or both in the half court when you need to but they get a few more easy buckets when caruso's out there and it's a result of the defense to offense there's a lot of that going on when when he's in the lineup so you combine that with you know he's a decent spot up shooting threat now and uh he cuts off of the ball in a way that mm-hmm. you know Avery Bradley's a good cutter but Lakers don't have a ton of really good cutters and so he'll you know go set a down screen for somebody it just kind of gets things moving even when you are in those half court offense sets that's that's the point here so one of the things so the last remember remember last year when Ingram was kind of asked to be point guard mm-hmm. and i felt like at that time the Lakers lacked a point guard mentality out there on the court. Like point guards just think about the game differently than other players that who play different positions. They just do. They're, you know, when you, when 
the cliche is he's a coach on the floor, right? That's that's what people think of, and that's what people immediately jump to. But I think Caruso like legitimately thinks about the game in the way a point guard does. And Avery Bradley's not going to do that. Quinn Cook is more of a scoring point guard too. Troy Daniels, same kind of a thing. Caruso thinks about the game and understands the game within a game that helps the Lakers win. It, it, it you know, so I think right now, uh, well, it's not, I think Dwight Howard and Caruso are the, the, the Lakers leading net rating guys. LeBron is behind Caruso in, in third or whatever. And I think like, I would go so far as to theorize that Dwight who shares the court a lot with Caruso benefits from the fact that like, Caruso thinks about the game as a point guard does. On on defense, let's talk about JaVale for a second. JaVale has just kind of been like loafing. He's not getting rewarded on offense. The post-offense is really kind of taken away from the things that he's able to do offensively. And because he isn't getting rewarded, he's kind of just loafing around there on defense. And a point guard recognizes that. A point guard says, hey, I got to get big guy going. I got to get my big guy going. And in order to do that, I'll run a pick and roll and make sure I reward that guy for running or, or on a rim run or a rim run or something like that. Um, rum sounds good, but, uh, but I, I think Caruso playing as well as he has, has really helped Dwight because in that starting group, you don't have a player who recognizes that stuff. And in that second unit you do with Caruso. And I would imagine so long as those guys share minutes together, we're probably going to continue to see Dwight look better than JaVale, in part because JaVale has just been bad, but also because Caruso th- makes sure to involve Dwight and reward Dwight for for his uh, outstanding effort. I feel like LeBron does that. Like if JaVale was just going a little harder, they yeah. had great connection but last year. But they're running so much. They're running so much stuff. That's true. And the reason they're doing that is because everybody's switching. Yeah. Everyone's switching that LeBron AD pick and roll that we've been talking about. And in some ways that makes sense because they're relatively close to each other. They're, it's the three and the four, right? Mm-hmm. And so those defenders, there's not some massive size advantage between them. So it's like, all right, we're just going to switch this. And, you know, the Lakers are looking to match up hunt after that. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I want to ask Vogel about is, is there a way to still match up hunt and still try to exploit that mismatch. You know, now you got a three defending AD. Yeah, but more systemically be able to get some movement out of that to not just be like, all right, you take the ball. The other four guys are going to go to the other side of the court. And and maybe the answer is no. Maybe there isn't something that he feels like they can do and that that's their most effective way of attacking that. But you're spot on with the idea that those post-ups, which are derived from those switched pick and rolls in many cases, have really limited JaVale's, uh, you know, his opportunities in the half court. Yep. All right. Let's take a quick second. When we come back, I have a, we have so many questions that we still have to get to, to catch up to last week. So let's take a quick second. When we come back, we're going to open up the mailbag and, and try to catch up. There's a lot though. So, so good luck to us again. All right, our first question here comes from Kai Kai Killa. <laughs> the names on here always like trip me out. Like I have to really pay close attention to these names because every so often you guys will sneak one by me that like the next one is Rondo Wombo. Ah. 
So, Rajan, yeah. I promise the, we're going to get to your question here in a second. The uh, the the initials on this first one have me giving a little side eye. But little nervous. Yeah, carry on. Celtics fan wants to know. <laughs> Hey guys, love the show, especially Pete's input. Uh, so you got, oh, oh, of course. After, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> so I noticed we definitely need some more playmakers, especially at the point guard position. But we are really limited. Uh, do you think Derrick Rose would still be an option? He had 18 points and nine assists off the bench for the Pistons and looked healthy. Do you think Kuz, him, and Dwight would be a nice one-two-three punch? I'm guessing off of the bench. Uh, I, just in general, so Andre Iguodala has gotten most of the attention in terms of the waiver wire, you know, and guys who might be out there on the buyout market. But, like, ha, is there a name that stands out to you as point guard options go? I mean, so Derrick Rose is averaging 25 points per game in 26 <laughs> minutes right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe Detroit finds itself in a situation where they're out of the playoffs by quite a bit come that March 1st buyout deadline. And maybe Derrick Rose says, hey, I'd like to go play for a playoff team. And so, yes, I mean, that would be great. We don't have a guy who can really score out of ball screens coming off of the bench on a regular basis. And while still being a, a, a passing threat and, you know, Rose is better than any of the guards that we have. So yes, of course, if he became available, he would be an option. Um, and he's been a guy who's really bounced back uh, over the last couple of seasons. He was pretty good in Minnesota as well. Uh, Goran Dragic is another guy who he's in Miami and on a team that rarely ever gives up. And they'll be competitive in, in an Eastern conference, you know, but if there's some, you know, Chris Paul type trade of, you know, where CP3 goes from OKC to Miami, which is something that's been rumored and Dragic would almost have to be the guy who goes back, especially with Kendrick Nunn emerging from Miami as a backup point guard that they really like. Then, you know, does Dragic get a buyout then? He'd be another guy. But all all these guys, guys like Rose and and Dragic, I see them as very unlikely. Iguodala is the guy who's probably going to get bought out and the Lakers have a good shot at. So while I would love for other guys to join that conversation, he's the only one that I've got my heart a little bit set on at this point. The Lakers have a point guard. Alex Caruso is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't, we don't need to hit the, the, the buyout market for a player that the Lakers already have. I, I would love to see the Lakers try to win the 2011 NBA title with <laughs> Dwight Howard, LeBron James and Chris Derek Paul. Rose. And yeah, <laughs> I, I'd be here for that. I got to say, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but I have thoroughly enjoyed Dwight Howard. Um, what a time to be alive, man. It's what the hell alive. is going on? I, bro, I, no complaints <laughs> for me, man. All right. Rondo Wombo writes, after watching us lose to the Clippers and seeing KCP get his cardio with no regard for winning or contri- uh, contributing any stats, <laughs> get his cardio is funny. Uh, what do you guys think about adding someone like him on Shumper, Jonathan Simmons, J.R. Smith, or Jamario Jones to help give us more wing depth and perimeter defense? I would like that, but we're saving that spot for Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Now, maybe... You know, I think they're holding on to Boogie in case he comes back, which I think is less likely. I think what's more likely is that his salary would be useful in a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like those are all guys. It, you know, I thought the Lakers signed one too many guards and one too few wings, and almost everybody that he mentioned right there would have been my. Had they signed this guy instead, you know, maybe Kawhi doesn't score, you know, freaking twenty points in. Yeah in a minute and a half against KCP and maybe he scores 12 points instead. Right. <laughs> it's a different game. So I, I, I think, you know, that listener's right on the right track. I just think the Lakers have other plans with that. I think it's insane that J.R. Smith is unemployed right now. That's crazy yeah. to me. Like may, maybe he's just like, he doesn't want to play whatever, but it's like, he, he's too useful an NBA player, at least in theory for him to remain unemployed. I mean, He's similar to Nick Young from a yeah. personality Mentality. perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The NBA is fickle, man. Like if if you're at that point where like how many guys do you think, Anthony, in the world are there that are at that like borderline NBA player type of <laughs> level? Right? Walk into any YMCA and there's like well, three of them. I, yeah, that's generous. That's generous. <laughs> I would say there are a few hundred guys yeah. in the world who could like make an argument that you they could be in the NBA. So as soon as if your I would game, have been three inches taller, I'm telling you, Pete. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen that Euro step. I'm, uh, I'm skeptical. It's a churro um, step. The churro step. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> yes. Uh, so as soon as you start getting to that point where you might be considered that type of guy, like J.R. Smith, you know, he, he, he shot 30.8% in just 11 games from three Oof. last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 37 and a half the season before, right. He's obviously a guy who can do that, but he's 34 years old now. Right. And so yeah. you could make the argument that he's right in that range of like kind of borderline belonging in the NBA. And just like Nick young, if you come with other Stuff. baggage or even perceived as that, like they're going to go with a the guy, they don't have to worry about that. Yeah. It's, I understand it, right? Like he literally threw a bowl of soup at a <laughs> at a coach. <laughs> so I, I kind of understand like why teams would be like, yeah, you know what? We don't want our our coaches having to wear parkas to 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 practice every day. But he does have a skill set. I think the Lakers or a lot of teams could use out there. Shumpert, same thing. Like sure. I feel, I feel. I'm like, more surprised by Shumpert that he's unemployed. Yeah. So you know, who knows? All right. Husto uh, Husto writes. Hey, guys, daily listener, I love the show. Thank you. Question. The Lakers are short. Well, that's the same question we just got a second ago. Uh, oh, they're asking. Or, well, I guess the question here is what have you seen from Kostas uh, as a player? I. He's got a really good brother. Yeah, I think if he had a different last name that maybe Devontae Kaycock has that other two-way contract. Yeah. Um, Defensive potential, you know, I think that's something that he, you know, that that's if he is to make it in the NBA, that's where it's going to be. He's just so far away on the offensive end in terms of feel and skill set. Yeah, that it's just hard to picture how how that ends up working out. Yeah, you 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 tap you typically have to be smart or skilled. He is not necessarily either on the offensive end. All right, LA240825 writes, Hey, Anthony and Pete, I was wondering if you guys have any idea why the Lakers are wearing their purple jerseys at home. Home on the road and white seemingly at random. Uh, love the traditional gold home purple away uh, and Sunday whites. I noticed this every time Nike jerseys, or ever since uh, Nike jerseys came into the li- league. What do you guys think of that, or do you prefer the old way of doing uniforms? You You want my hottest take ever? Oh, wow. That's uh, that's rarefied air. I, I'm, I, do I need to put on some sort of 
protect your <laughs> eye goggles. Or yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. I don't think we need any white jerseys in sports. Mm. Give me, give me the away jerseys against all, like against each other. Because, like, all right, if you have two teams that wear blue, then you have an alternative or whatever, right? But if you are the Lakers and you wear purple, and only like the Kings wear purple over the course of the season, you should not have any other uniform other than the Lakers purple uniform. I'm uh, I'm proud of the fact that as I've gotten older, I don't have many like grouchy old man takes. <laughs> this is one of them. Like I miss the old uniforms. I miss the old way yeah. that they used to, you know, gold at home, yeah. purple on the road. I knew that's how it was going to be. The Sunday whites were like where I was like, OK, like I, I I'm not as adamant as you that like I'm like, OK, I can do this. But the whole like the purple with the black stripe on the side, oh, it's just like such a bad look. Just like Clint Eastwood on my porch, just like making, you know, scrunched up faces, just like, Ugh, yeah, what is this? So, yeah, this is I'm very old Manny about this type of stuff. I'm interested to see what the city uniforms are going to be this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, last year's city uniform is the worst Laker uniform I have ever seen. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Whoever did that. Like, I don't usually ask for people to be fired just because, like, it's your livelihood or whatever, unless you're, like, you know, Luke Walton or whatever. Um, whoever designed that uniform, good God, man, what were you thinking? Those are terrible. Uh, so I'm interested <laughs> to see what the Lakers do with their city uniforms this year. But, yeah, just just in general, we don't need to overthink this. <laughs> this is easy. The Lakers have really nice home uniforms. They have really nice away uniforms. Occasionally, you can mix in an alternate or whatever with with the Sunday whites or whatever, but you don't have to do what the Lakers have done here. They've bastardized the concept of a uniform, and I'm not okay with it. All right, let's let's finish with one more question here. Lifelong Laker fan since 2018 writes, uh, "You guys are great, except Anthony. You need to smile more." <laughs> smiling, right he's now. not entirely wrong about that. Uh, I'm smiling, like literally smiling right now. My question is, which of Kuz, Zoe, and Ingram would you have tried to keep in the trade for AD based off of pure skill slash contribution to the Lakers team? Do you think Kuz was the best of the three? I I mean, watching Brandon go nuts has certainly been fun. He's uh, he's probably what we need the least, though, like, yeah. you know, with Zion out and drew holiday was out for their third game. What they need right now is somebody who could put the ball in the bucket, even if it's in isolation type situations. Uh, I think he's like a minus 31 on the year with him on the court. And they're like a plus 13 or something like that with him off of the court. He's a very good stats, bad team guy right now. Yeah. I don't know if that's entirely fair yet because he's still young. That is always been my concern about him. Mm -hmm. So, while Brandon has been the most statistically impressive, I think he's what we need the least yeah. of, of that group. You have a problem. Uh, yeah. I, you know, is Lonzo a mid to high thirties three point shooter? Cause if so, that's the guy, right? Like the things yeah. that we love about Crusoe are things that Lonzo brings to the table as well. And he can, you know, he's bigger, he's got more, you know, 
he's got more gifts than Caruso does. So he would be the guy even still, even with Brandon going nuts in those first three games that I think is the guy who's the best of the three. But I'm also encouraged to see what Kuz can do, because I do think that he's probably somewhere in between the two and has the chance to be the guy who's the best of the three. Yeah, I was thinking the other day that the Lakers miss Lonzo's ability to push the pace. Mm -hmm. He really helps in that regard, and that's something that the Lakers have been kind of struggling with. So, but, you know, and, and also, like, Lonzo, because of where he was taken, had the resume that allowed him to be played more than Caruso has been utilized thus far. I think that'd be important. The guy I miss is Josh Hart. Yeah. The guy yeah, I, I mean, miss is Josh Josh Hart. is solid. Yeah. 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 Like, because unless Kuzma, unless Kuzma is actually like the superstar that the Lakers think he is, then okay, fine. But the Lakers don't need much out of that player. Like they don't, Kuzma helps with length and stuff like that, um, and and Ingram would have helped perimeter uh, defense a bit more than Kuzma does. And Lonzo, you know, I, I think I still believe in Lonzo is like I think he's going to be the next Drew Holiday. I, I, I could see that kind of being the career path he goes in, where he's just a low usage point guard alongside a wing who who does things that that help teams win, but. I just heart heart to me is 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 a player that I want in the NBA. Like just just a wing who hits three pointers, does what he has to, accepts his role, and moves forward that way. Maybe that's Kuzma, but right now I think of the players that could have been involved in that trade, I, I think I would most want Hart. Interesting. I, I think the talent level of the other three still wins out. Like Hart would be the last yeah. <laughs> on the list for me. So yeah. just just because like Hart's going to do his job. Um, he's, he's okay on the, on the perimeter. Like one, the reason the Pelicans are 0 and three are they've been really bad on defense Yeah, and, uh, like hearts perimeter. They started, defense him, on, they started him on Harden the other day. And I was like, Oh God, this is not going to go well. <laughs> Harden always kills him. It's yeah. Um, but yeah, but like hearts, hearts going to have a long career in the NBA. Yeah. He's going to play for eight to 10 years and you know, at, have a, have a role. I just think the talent of the other three is just on a different tier than him. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Lakers podcast. The Lakers are, I believe, back in action, right? Tomorrow? Today? By the time uh, you guys are listening? No, on Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we will. I will be recapping the game right after it happens, so make sure you guys check that out. Um, one thing I'm thinking about doing is doing, you know, live recaps on weekend days for you know games that take place on friday or saturday or whatever that might go down on my patreon we aren't quite sure on that but if you you know search anthony Irwin on patreon you can find that but for now thank you guys very much for your questions we still have a ton to get to uh thank you guys for your continued support hopefully i have a voice by the time we record tomorrow but for now have a great rest of your day make somebody else's we'll talk to you tomorrow